speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's what God wants the church to be. It's a place where you get edified, you get built up. It's a place where you get exhorted, where you get pushed forward, where the word of God and the truth about God pushes us forward. And because of who Jesus is and what he's done, we have comfort because we're at peace with God and we have the peace of God. See, that's what God wants church to be. When you design a space in a house or a business, you keep in mind the function and the feeling that you want that space to have. Well, today's message reveals that God has specific ideals for his church. Pastor Daniel shares that God wants his followers to come together to create a place where people can thrive, a place of peace, growth, encouragement, and healing. He invites you to investigate how the spiritual gifts of prophecy in tongues fit into God's design. Now here's Pastor Daniel in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 as he begins his message, Spirit-Inspired Words. So as we've been exploring how our words matter in this Sticks and Stones series, you know, we've been really trying to get a, almost a theology of language, a, a way of looking at how God sees our speech and our words and what God wants us to do. We've been laying the foundation, looking at the book of Proverbs and the wisdom that comes from choosing your words carefully. We, we spent time in the book of James where we saw how we, you know, God wants us to realize the influence and the power our tongues have. And, and we saw how with our words, we, we need to tame our words so that we can intentionally deploy them. And I I felt that it wouldn't be uh, an honest look at our words if I didn't also look at how God wants our words to function within the local church. Because listen, if you've been a part of Crossroads for any length of time, you realize that, you know, God not only saves us from our sins, I'm so grateful that he did, but he also saves us from our sins and then he places us into a family of faith, uh, this organic entity that's called the church. No, the church has never been buildings. The church is people and sometimes, you know, people meet in fields or they meet in houses or they meet in buildings and all these different things. And really God has a purpose for our words and part of that purpose functions in the context of the local church. You know, in this year, we've been calling this year a year of renewal. And one of the the big things for us in this year of renewal was that we were going to express God's love through the spiritual gifts. And what's amazing is, is that there is a lot of discussion within the scriptures about the spiritual gifts that involve words and how God wants them to function. And so today, I want to look at a passage of scripture that really focuses in on what I'm calling spirit-inspired words. But really the focus is going to be on uh, prophecy and on the gift of tongues. And so uh, let's get right into it. I want you to open up your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. As we look at these 
spirit-inspired words. Now, I do want to make this case. As, as you're finding your way to 1 Corinthians 14, obviously it's between Paul's letter to the Romans and Paul's letter to 2 Corinthians. So it's the second of the Pauline epistles there in the New Testament after the four gospels, after the Acts of the Apostles. Then you have Romans and then you have 1 Corinthians. For many of us, we know right where 1 Corinthians 14 is because it it comes right after 1 Corinthians 13, which might be the most famous chapter in the Bible. And I think it's important to realize that 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, I like to say form a sandwich, where chapter 12 and 14 speak about spiritual gifts, and then chapter 13 speaks about love. And I always like to say it's a sandwich because nobody ever goes into their favorite uh, deli or, or favorite you know, sandwich shop and say, hey, I want a uh, whole wheat sandwich. Right? No, you say, I want to insert your meat, or if you're a vegetarian, God bless you. You know what I mean? But you insert whatever you want in there, and they say, oh, what kind of bread do you want? And, and really, that's important, because really, the gifts of the Spirit is the bread, but really, love is meant to be the meat. And of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, the last verse says, abide these three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so, we like to say that we express God's love to one another through the gifts of the Spirit. But we don't ever want to function in the gifts of the Spirit, devoid from a commitment to loving God and loving others because then it's actually not a spiritual gift at all. God does not want us to use the gifts of the Spirit in any other way, less rooted in the agape, the love, the self-sacrificial love of God. And so Paul in this section is really working with the church in Corinth because the church in Corinth was a spiritually vibrant church, but there's all sorts of issues going on in the midst of such spiritual vibrancy. And so look at what it says in verse one of 1 Corinthians 14. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So really what we learn first and foremost here is that a simple concept, and I think it's important because I think people don't really understand this, is that tongues are for God and prophecy is for people. Tongues are for God and prophecy is for people. So as it relates to the gifts of the Spirit in the context of the local assembly, it says that we should pursue love, because the greatest of these is love, and we should desire spiritual gifts, but especially that we may prophesy. So really what Paul is saying now is he's making a difference, a distinction between the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. And really what he's saying is that prophecy is better in the local church because prophecy is for people. Prophecy is a way to build up people. And tongues, although they are important, they edify the individual who shares in a tongues, but it doesn't edify the people. And so in the context of the local assembly, what God is really looking for is for the people to be built up and prophecy is better at that than tongues. Look at what it says. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but he speaks to God, verse two, 
for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So really the, the idea here for the use of tongues here, and, and obviously there's lots of the scriptures about it. You think of Acts chapter two, people were speaking and then everybody was hearing it in their own language. Here it would seem uh, like what they would call the prayer language of the spirit or the angelic language where they're there in Corinth. Someone is speaking in this supernatural gift of tongues, but people don't understand them. So the person who is speaking, he's praising God or, or she's praising God and they are being built up as they're exercising that gift. But without the interpretation, nobody understands what's going on. That's why notice it says in this passage, a little bit later, he says, I wish, verse five, that all of you spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed... He interprets that the whole church may be edified. Now you see the next layer, that the gift of tongues becomes edifying like prophecy within the local church when there's someone to interpret it because instead of one person being edified, God's goal is that all of the people be edified. But the reason prophecy is being preferred here by Paul is verse three, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's what God wants the church to be. It's a place where you get edified, you get built up. It's a place where you get exhorted, where you get pushed forward, where the word of God and the truth about God pushes us forward. And because of who Jesus is and what he's done, we have comfort because we're at peace with God and we have the peace of God. See, that's what God wants church to be. God doesn't want church to be a political rally. God doesn't want church to be a way to affirm our sinfulness. It's exhortation, it's edification, and it's comfort all because of who Jesus is. So if you ever want to understand, okay, so prophecies and tongues, what should we do? Tongues are for God. Prophecy is for people. And tongues become for people when there's interpretation so that people can join in and be edified with the praising of God. One uh, commentator said it this way, that prophecy makes believers of unbelievers. The speaking in tongues leaves the unbeliever to themselves. So tongues are for God prophecy is for people. Now, he keeps going. Look at what happens next, picking up in verse 6, where it says, but now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Verse 7, even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit, but I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, 
How will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say, amen, at at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So really what this teaches us about specifically the gift of tongues is simply that understanding and interpretation must be sought. That if tongues are going to function within the life of the local church, we want to have understanding and interpretation. And really what Paul does in this section is he says, listen, the only way somebody is benefited or edified by the gift of tongues is when there is an understanding associated with it. And and Paul uses a lot of different examples like music. If there is an uncertain sound or an indistinct sound, he uses the idea of the trumpets, the shofars that were used to call people for battle. That if it was a very specific sound that was made so people knew what it was for. But if, if it's not clear, how will anybody know? And really what he's saying is that tongues are are amazing and they edify the believer but for the person who does not understand or if there's not interpretation present it literally leaves people still at a distance from one another i've had that happen before you know i've gotten to travel around all over the world to be able to to preach you know and it's an amazing thing when you're used to communicating with people you share and they share but when you meet and you're in another culture that doesn't speak let's say english and you're speaking with people through interpreters it's it feels very strange because people are talking all these things are going on and you don't actually know what's going on until the interpreter tells you what's going on and i don't know about you because uh maybe i you know I, i grew up in new jersey so i don't trust people so easily sometimes i don't know if they're really telling me the truth or not you know it's, it's kind of like those voiceovers on, on the foreign movies where they go like, and they're like hi and you're like that's all they said was hi like all these words come out of just one and, and in a lot of ways the distinction of languages makes you feel like an outsider and really what paul is saying is that as amazing as tongues are if it is not interpreted or if it doesn't come with understanding then for people who are not in the know They're going to feel like outsiders. They're going to feel like, hey, this isn't for me. I don't belong here. And and those are not the things that God wants the local church to feel like. And I think what's really fascinating about all of this is that Paul, as he's breaking everything down, as he's boiling everything down, he ends up saying, listen, he's saying, I would rather speak five words with understanding that I may teach other than 10,000 words in a tongue. And, and he, earlier he says, I pray that you would speak with tongues as much as I do. You know, he's like, I speak, I speak with more, I have, I have more prayer language than you all do, but I would rather in the assembly of people speak five words that people can understand than thousands. And, and really what this boils down to for us, if, we're, if we just want to like, how do we bring this down to real practical is what God is really concerned with us is that we're not self-centered, that we're not selfish, that it's not like, this is what I want to do and so that I do it. But it's like, no, how does everybody get blessed? So it's, he's not saying that tongues are not as good as prophecy. He's saying that without understanding and interpretation, tongues don't have the ability to edify everybody the way the gift of prophecy does. And what God really wants to do for all of us is actually divorce us from our obsession with ourselves so that everything within the church is not about us. And, and listen, isn't that a tall order? Isn't that, I don't know about you, I'm always seeing 
in my own life how selfish that I can be, right? We, we have in our house, I, I remember, some of you might be able to relate with my struggles. So, you know, I, I actually, I, I never grew up with dogs because I'm allergic to dogs, I'm I'm allergic to dogs. And I actually got bit by my neighbor's dog when I was a kid. So as a kid, I got scared of dogs. And I realized that I was uh, intensely allergic to dogs. And so I never had a dog. And I remember, uh, this was now, gosh, 12 years ago, 10 years ago, uh, where, you know, we had Obadiah and Maranatha. They were young. And of course, you know, my bride, Lynn, she grew up with a dog. And so she's like, you know, we need to get a dog. And I'm like, hey, I'm allergic to dogs. I'm actually kind of scared of dogs. I'm not really the, I'm not a dog person. And, and But you know how it goes when mom, mama comes and she's like, oh, please. And then the kids start coming. Oh, oh, daddy, daddy, please. We want a dog. Oh God, we want a puppy. Dad, please. But all we've ever wanted is a puppy. And you know how that goes. No matter how strong you are, you can't live up to that. It's three against one. It's not even fair. You know, then you go to your Bible and it says esteem others higher than you. And you're like, okay, fine, we'll get a dog, right? But there was one rule that came forth when we were getting a dog. You know what that rule was? That rule was, we'll take care of the dog. Every dad's heard this. We'll take care of the dog. Because you know what happened? The very first night, the dog starts barking. Mama rolls over, hits me and says, can you get the dog? Like we had the dog for like eight hours. I'm already up in the middle of the night. Right? And it's like, oh yeah, you're going you're gonna to feed the dog. You're going to walk. No, I do, I do a lot of it, you know? And, and, I, and I bring this up, of course, because I realize how selfish I am as it relates to the dog. Because there's sometimes I just want to put my hands on my waist and be like, you guys told me that you were going to take care of the dog. Why am I the one up in the middle of the night? Why am I the one who's got to walk the dog? Why am I the one who's got to fix what the dog chewed on? You could have said you were going to take care of this. But then I'm like, but I like the dog. You know, our dog Molly now, she's, she's, an, she's an old lady now, but she's cool, man. We like Molly, you know? But at the same time, I realize how selfish I can be because I'm like, man, I don't want to deal with this right now. I got other things to deal with. But then I'm reminded, of course, that what God is trying to do is make me Jesus-centered and other-centered. He's trying to move me from it being all about me to being about God and others. And in the same way, every once in a while, we run into a situation where somebody with the spiritual gifts, it's just all about them. And it's like, well, hold on. If it's all about love, then it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And it's not about you doing what you want to do. It's about saying, hey, listen, I'm going to esteem others higher than myself. In a lot of ways, it's what we've also learned as we've gone through a global pandemic and a public health crisis is that people really struggle with doing things that they don't want to do for other people. And as I keep seeing, I see it in my own life and I'm like, here it is again. It's, I'm selfish. And really what Paul is saying here is that in the context of the local church, it's not about selfishness. It's about selflessness. It's about how do we build up the most people? And of course, he wants that understanding and that interpretation to be there. And it reminds you, of course, of Proverbs chapter two, verses one to nine, this idea of with understanding and interpretation where it says, my son, this is Proverbs two. It says, my son, if you receive my words and you treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and you lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and he preserves the way of his saints then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity 
and every good path. So it's saying that God wants us in Proverbs 2, 1 and 9, that God wants us to desire wisdom, to desire understanding, to walk in that wisdom. And when we seek after it, God wants to give it to us. So as it relates to the the gift of tongues and how it should function in the local church, God is saying, look, I want you to function in understanding. I I want you to make sure that everyone can be built up in the process. Now, as we continue down 1 Corinthians 14, picking up in verse 20, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, brethren, do not be children in understanding, however in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his hearts are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. So, so what really what we learn here now is that God wants us to let the signs do the work. God wants us to let the signs do the work. He's saying, little children, don't be children in understanding. Don't be immature as it relates to understanding. In malice, be babes. Have no interactions with malice, but with understanding, we want to be mature. So remember we said interpretation and understanding must be sought. And now he's saying, look, grow up in understanding. The people of God should be wise in understanding. And then he uses a quotation from Isaiah chapter 28, verses 11 and 12, where it says, with men of other tongues and other lips... I will speak to this people, and yet for all that, they will not hear me. And really, it's a prophecy of the Gentiles, the people of other tongues and other lips from the Jewish people, coming and and, and talking about Jesus to the Jewish people who have rejected Jesus as the Messiah, right? But he says, therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. And so really what's going on here is he's, he's saying in effect that even though tongues does not edify everybody, it is a sign to the unbeliever. Whereas prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. And so again, because because prophecy is for people and tongues are for God. When an, a non-believer sees someone speaking in tongues, they're like, what is going on right now? And that's why the Apostle Paul says, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there comes in those who are uninformed and unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? And li- literally, I've been to churches like that where, where someone comes on in, everyone's speaking in tongues and people are like, what is going on? Right? Because they don't understand what's going on. And it it seems like they're crazy. They're speaking unintelligibly. There's all these things going on. And it is a sign to them, but they don't understand what's going on. But notice, but if all prophecy and an unbeliever, an uninformed person comes on in, he is convinced by all and he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his hearts are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Jesus is real. 
God is all about growing his people to make them more and more like Jesus. He wants the church to be about helping people do just that. Today, Pastor Daniel shared how God designed your words to function within the local church. You learned that the spiritual gift of tongues is important and can encourage you personally, but that the gift of prophecy is better for building up others. When used this way, your words have the power to encourage and strengthen the people around you. Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at jesusisrealradio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel invites you to continue unpacking God's intentions with the spiritual gifts of prophecy and tongues. You'll learn that these spirit-inspired words are supposed to be a sign for the watching world that Jesus is real and that he's doing something. God will use them to draw people to himself. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Sticks and Stones. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.